Today we break down the Islanders' 2-1 to gritty win over the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll talk a little bit more about trade rumors because, you know, they work both ways. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net and he scores! Hi and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I want to thank you for being part of the Locked On Islanders family and for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And we've got a lot to get to. But first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, feel free to send us an email, the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings, and I am live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game, so definitely join me for some instant insight and analysis, and look, it's always great to talk a little Islanders hockey with fans, game time, or any time, so please do reach out. A big, gritty, 2-1 to win for the New York Islanders over the Winnipeg Jets. And look, we said before the game uh, on yesterday's podcast that this was likely to be a defensive, low-scoring kind of a game. And that is exactly the kind of a game we got. And the beautiful thing is just that the Islanders just, for the most part, except for a good chunk of the second period, They played smart positional hockey. And, you know, that is something this team wasn't doing consistently over the course of their struggles. And now it just appears that they are finding that positional defensive hockey a little bit more. And to do it against a Jets team that does have some talented players... Well, that is very good. And if you look at the the shot chart from this game, I would say the Jets had maybe six or seven quality chances 
all game long from that high danger area that I always draw from the two face-off circles, a triangle down into the crease. So the, the Jets had 26 shots total for the game, but maybe six or seven of them were really good high danger chances. And, you know, the Islanders were the better team for most of the first period, at least even if not the better team for the third period. And then the second period was Winnipeg's time, and they dominated. They tied the game. But again, the high danger chances were limited, and that is a big reason the Islanders won this game. They did the little things that it takes to win games. And little things, to me, I I saw a lot of them. It was Ross Johnston uh, drawing Pierre-Luc Dubois off the ice with a a coincidental minors for roughing late in the first period. You know what? That is a trade I will take any day. And for the second straight game, what we saw out of Ross Johnston, again, only five and a half minutes of ice time, not going to see the ice a lot, four penalty minutes, five and a half minutes of ice time. But he, he stuck up for his teammates. He inspired the team and gave them some juice, and that is exactly what his role is. He drops the gloves if he needs to. He's there to defend his teammates. He's there to give them some energy, and to me, it is just good to see Ross Johnston doing his job. Little things. How about Zach Parise? In the final minute of the game, just after a power play for the Islanders expired. But the Jets pull their goalie, so it's really five on five. And then when when the power play ends, it's six on five in favor of Winnipeg. Parise makes a takes a hit and makes a good play to clear the zone, block uh, blocks a shot in the final, what was it, 30 seconds? Little things. How about Bo Horvat? He had an assist in this game, played a little over 18 minutes, but you know what Horvat did in the final seconds of the game, final 40 seconds, a big zone clear, takes a hit, gets the puck out of the zone, barely mind you, but with 45 seconds or 42 seconds, whatever it was, left in the in regulation time. You make a play like that. You take a hit to make a play, and you clear the zone. That doesn't show up in the box score. That doesn't show up on uh, the highlight reels when people are just watching, you know, a minute and a half worth of highlights from the game. But I'm telling you, the coaches and his teammates definitely know that little plays like that often make the difference between winning a game and losing a game. And the Islanders won the game in part for little plays like that. How about Matt Martin? He had an assist. He was on the ice for 15 minutes and 10 seconds, which is a lot for Matt Martin, especially considering the style he plays. He had three hits. He had a block shot. And just, again, Matt Martin digging pucks out of the corners, making good passes, clearing the zone, picking up his his man when he's back-checking, little things, Hudson fashing, 
doing, again, little things. Arno Durando, uh, three shots on goal early, just playing, for the most part, smart, positionally sound hockey, and creating chances. Fashing set up Durando for a beautiful scoring chance just before the end of one of the periods there. Little things like that add up. And then, if we're going on little things, who got the goals in this game? Sebastian Ajo, who did a very nice job of following in and being the trailer on a two-on-one breakaway, gets a rebound, puts the puck behind Hellebuck, and look, Hellebuck's a great goaltender, so you beat him, you do that, the, the little things, right? You get that goal. That was a smart play, knowing when to pinch and doing it. And then Simon Holmstrom gets the other goal. Only was on ice for 7 minutes and 18 seconds. Only had the one shot on goal. Took a vicious high stick to the face under his visor uh, a few minutes earlier in the game and pots the game-winning goal on, again, just a smart play where he follows things up midway through the third period and then the Islanders hold on for the win. This was a team win, and if you heard Ilya Sorokin in his post-game interview after it was over, he felt confident, based on the way they were playing, that his teammates were going to support him and do the right thing uh, in the third period. In that final 10 minutes and 3 seconds after the Holmstrom goal, the Islanders' defense was positionally sound. Now, you did have a bad Penalty by Otto Koivula, a pretty blatant trip in the third period. And look, Koivula got called up. They sent Andy Andreoff down before the game, called up Otto Koivula. Koivula has good size, but he took that very foolish penalty. Did not seem to have a very strong game. Was out there for 846 had the two penalty minutes, one shot on goal, but really not looking comfortable yet at the NHL level. Doesn't look like he's ready to go, and I think that critical penalty may be his ferry ticket back to Bridgeport, depending on when either J.G. Pajot or Josh Bailey are ready, or if uh, if the Islanders are going to call Andy Andreoff back up or somebody else from Bridgeport if they're not ready to go. So, uh, not a great game for Otto Koivula, but overall, a strong performance by the New York Islanders. Two badly needed points, and that puts the Islanders officially, for now, in fourth place with 67 points in the Metropolitan Division. We have got more to discuss on today's episode. We will have our hero, unsung hero of the game, our go to the game. We'll have a little bit more on trade rumors as the trade deadline is now just eight days away. So we have the latest story on some trade rumors involving the Islanders. All that and a whole lot more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And uh, I'll tell you this. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because 
New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. And yes, you can bet on the Islanders too. The Kings coming to town Friday. Can the Islanders make it three in a row? Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So... Let's talk a little bit about trade rumors because, you know, this close to the trade deadline, I think people are talking about this on a daily basis. And let's take a step back first before I get into this story and really, you know, understand what we're dealing with. I know a lot of people would like to see the New York Islanders sell some pieces, and I think it is the best long-term move for the Islanders. You have Semyon Varlamov on an expiring contract. You have Scotty Mayfield. You have Zach Parise. All of these players are on expiring contracts. You have a team that overall, as we've discussed, is older, lacks the speed necessary to compete with some of the elite, faster teams in the league, and is not one of the top let's say, dozen even Stanley Cup contenders. If we were to list the top 10 teams who have the best chance to win the Stanley Cup this year, the Islanders would not be on that list. Would they be top 15, 16, 18? Yeah. Somewhere between 14 and 18, probably, depending on when you ask. But this is not an elite team the way it's built right now. And maybe by trading away some of those players, you pick up some prospects, you pick up some draft picks, you retool a little bit, you free up some cap space, you can add some free agents for the short term and rebuild or really retool your team. But that's not what Lou Lamorello does. Lou Lamorello is all about getting into the playoffs now and trying to win. And that's his MO. And the latest rumors that we get come from Frank Saravelli, who is the uh, basically uh, Saravalli, excuse me, who is the insider for the Daily Faceoff, and he's been covering this league for a long time. He knows what he's talking about, and basically, Saravalli says he doesn't think Lula Morello is going to sell off some of his players on expiring contracts at the trade deadline. Here's what he said. Uh, basically said, I'd be surprised if Lou Lamarillo did that because there has been such a big emphasis put on this year and getting into the playoffs. I think the one that would have made them, uh, would have had the most interest when you look at some of the other teams with struggling goaltenders would have been Semyon Varlamov. The path forward for him to play games is pretty minimal given the run Ilya Sorokin has been on, uh, and there certainly would be interest. Uh, Sarah Valley is right. There would be interest 
for sure, in Varlamov, a number of struggling teams. But he continues. The problem is Lou Lamorello, their general manager, is a big believer in having a two-goalie system. How many times have we seen a team get into the playoffs? Look at the Penguins last year. They go without their top two goaltenders in the first-round series against the Rangers, end up blowing a 3-1 to series lead in part because of their lack of goaltending. If the Islanders get in, which is a big if at this point, I think they should be considering selling and moving a couple of those pieces. The problem is I don't have any evidence yet that they would be willing to do so. And I think if you look back at last year, look, we got Mayfield and Parise along with Barlamov who are on expiring contracts. But here is the other thing. Last year, now we knew last year the Islanders weren't going to make the playoffs. But last year, we saw the Islanders basically have veterans like Zdeno Chara, Andy Green, uh, Cal Clutterbuck, and Zach Parise, all on expiring contracts. All veterans who could have gotten them something at the trade deadline. What did Lou do? He re-signed Parise and Clutterbuck and basically went up to Chara and Green and said, Look, there's been interest in you guys. Do you want to be traded or not? And the two veteran defensemen said, no, we're going to stay here. And Lou honored that, uh, you know, honored their feelings. And that was what ended up happening, which was no deals. No deals made. So there is that. And... I think that Sarah Valley is probably accurate when it comes to, you know, what we're looking at. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what Lou Lamorello does. But if you gave me money and said the only thing you could do with this money is bet whether Lou Lamorello trades away Varlamov, Mayfield, or Parise, yes or no, I'd have to bet the no, not because I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think it is the right thing to do. But the other issue is, if you know Lula Amarello and you know the way he thinks and the way he operates, again, based on his long history in the National Hockey League, you've got to figure that he is probably not going to look to make that kind of a move unless the Islanders really go into the tank. And if you look at the standings right now, it, 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 it's not going to happen because the Islanders, even if they lose the rest of their games before the trade deadline, and they have three games left before the trade deadline, even if they go 0-2-1, let's say, in those three games, they are still going to be in the hunt in the wild card race. And believe it or not, after this win against Winnipeg, the Islanders are 6-2-2 in their last 10 games. Now, the Islanders four points ahead of Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh has five games in hand. The Islanders are five points ahead of Washington. Washington has two games in hand. 
You look to the Atlantic Division. Florida, three points behind the Islanders, one game in hand. Detroit, right now, five points behind the Islanders, but Detroit has five games in hand. And Buffalo, seven points back, but Buffalo has six games in hand. The problem is the games in hand. That's what makes the Islanders, even though right now, if the season ended, they'd be one of the wild card teams. If you base it on point percentage, it's not so simple. But Lou Lamorello looks at it and says, we've got a chance. We're going to go for it. And we'll see what he does. Trade deadline, like I said, eight days away. But right now, uh, if I were a betting man, I think the rumors that Sarah, uh, Sarah Valley mentioned that he, he doesn't hear anything that think that makes him think that the Islanders will sell at the deadline may very well be what ends up happening. But whatever happens, we'll have the latest rumors for you and the latest info for you right here on the Locked on Islanders podcast. We've got more to get to on today's show, our unsung hero of the game, our goat of the game, and our Islanders' birthday of the day, a, a, a person who was involved in the most famous goal in Islanders history and later went on to be a coach for the team. All that and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Time now for the unsung hero and the goat of the game. For the unsung hero, I'm going with Matty Martz. Matt Martin stepping up, playing more than 15 minutes. He had a key assist in this game. Uh, setting up the game winner with Simon Holmstrom. And just the last week, let's say, Matt Martin has just played exceptionally well. And when you have injuries to J.G. Pajot and Josh Bailey and Matthew Barzal and Oliver Wallstrom and Cal Clutterbuck, that's five of your of your top forwards out of 12. A role player like Matt Martin stepping up and doing more than what is normally asked of him, to me, that is the kind of play that you need from your role players. Matty Martz did it, and he is the unsung hero of the game. As far as the go to the game, I'm going to go with Otto Koivula. I don't like to be hard on uh, a young player who's up and and you know, playing, what what was this, his second game this year with the Islanders? He played a few games last year, but, you know, he just doesn't seem ready, and that penalty he took and some of the plays that he made in his limited time on the ice, that penalty, to me, was playing with fire. It gave Winnipeg a chance to win the game or at least tie the game late in the, in the period when you're clinging to a one-goal lead, you can't make a play like that. You got to keep skating. You, you, you can't take that kind of a penalty, a tripping call. Uh, if you keep your feet moving and you don't fall behind Coolman uh, on that play, you end up not taking that penalty. And fortunately, the Islanders' PK stepped up and killed off that penalty. So Koivula uh, right now is going to be the GOAT of the game. And one other thing, and I don't think I mentioned it enough uh, in the first segment, 
kudos to Ilya Sorokin. 25 saves and 26 shots. Another strong game. That's a 962 save percentage for Sorokin. He continues to show. Uh, look, he'll have the odd bad game now and again, but if you have any doubt as to who the most important player is on the Islanders, and we did put up a, a, a poll on YouTube, and uh, the answer to the poll was overwhelmingly, the, the poll question uh, was basically, who is the most indispensable player on the New York Islanders? And Ilya Sorokin got 70% of the vote. Uh uh, I mean, Sorokin, 70%, Barzal, 13%, Bo Horvat, 12%, Brock Nelson, 5%. I mean, that, that's not even a contest. So clearly, the viewers and the listeners uh, basically agreeing that Ilya Sorokin is the MVP right now or the most pivotal player of this team. And let, let's be frank, he had another strong game against Winnipeg in a game that he knew was going to be a goaltender's duel, and he managed to come up big. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and yesterday, February 22nd, was the 71st birthday of former Islanders center and assistant and head coach later on, Lauren Henning. Henning, uh, a native of Melfort, Saskatchewan, second-round pick of the Islanders in their very first draft in 72-73, played 63 games for the Islanders in that inaugural season, and stayed with the team through the 80-81 campaign, so he was on two of the four Stanley Cup-winning teams as a player, uh, and basically then went on to become an assistant coach for three years, was head coach of the Minnesota North Stars, then back with the Islanders as an assistant, took over again as head coach in 94-95, but that didn't go particularly well, and had a third stint as an assistant or associate coach with the Islanders, and a second brief stint as a head coach in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, Lauren Henning, uh, a big part of this franchise's success over the years, and of course, he did have an assist on Bob Nystrom's Stanley Cup winning goal in 1980 in overtime against the Philadelphia Flyers. One of his better games offensively, and Henning was more of a checking, uh, two-way kind of a, of a center who was very positionally sound. But you go back to one of his better games, how about March 10th? 1979 against the Chicago Blackhawks. Two goals for Henning, including the game winner as the Islanders decimated Tony Esposito and the Chicago Blackhawks 7-1 at the Nassau Coliseum. Lauren Henning, smart, thoughtful, hardworking, and just a very good player who, you know, people who didn't follow the Islanders Probably don't remember Lauren Henning very much, but if you watched this team in the 70s and up through the early 80s, you knew the importance of the contributions of a guy like Lauren Henning, even though he never had more than 33 points or 13 goals in any 
one season. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back tomorrow. We'll have a full preview of the two games coming up this weekend against the LA Kings and again against the Jets, this time in Winnipeg. We'll also have the latest news, injury updates, trade rumors, and any other Islanders information. We'll bring it to you, of course, right here. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and of course, let's go Islanders!